welcome to the ABCA's podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Brownlee. This episode is sponsored by Netting Pros. Netting professionals are improving programs one facility at a time. Netting professionals specializes in the design, fabrication, and installation of custom netting for backstops, batting cages, dugouts, BP screens, and ball carts. They also design and install digital graphic wall padding, windscreen, turf, turf protectors, dugout benches, dugout cubbies, and more. Netting Professionals is an official partner of the ABCA and continues to provide quality products and services to many high school, college, and professional fields, facilities, and stadiums throughout the country. Netting Professionals are improving programs one facility at a time. Contact them today at 844-620-2707 or info at nettingpros.com. Visit them online at www.nettingpros.com or check out Netting Pros on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn for all their latest products and projects. Make sure to let CEO Will Miner know that the ABCA sent you. Now on to the podcast. Support for this episode is brought to you by the Headset app. Are you looking for a simple solution for coach to catcher communication for the season that doesn't require bulky hardware in the dugout? Traditional communication gear can be a headache to set up and carry from game to game. But what if there's a game-changing solution? Introducing the Headset app, your new MVP in communication for coaches and catchers. Enjoy crystal clear, ultra HD audio without the major league price tag. It's compatible with any Bluetooth headset or earbuds. Say goodbye to tangled wires and extra hardware. Ready to step up to the plate? Download the Headset app for free today. Getting started is as easy as a home run trot. Create your account, invite your team, and start calling pitches. The Headset app is ready for download in the App Store and on Google Play. Swing for the fences and download today to get a five-day free trial. And for a limited time, use ABCA24 when you buy your pass for next season and save 10%. Find out more at theheadsetapp.com. Next up on the ABCA podcast is our Division II Junior College Division III NNAI preview. Wayne Cavati from NCAA.com kicks us off with the Division II preview. After that, we send it over to Troy Sutherland from Perfect Game and Noah Sharp from the Juco Ball blog to cover all things junior college baseball. Then we hand it over to Jim Dixon from D3Baseball.com, who's been covering Division III baseball since 1994, to talk all things Division III. Finally, we finish up with Robbie Gutierrez from NAI Ball, who's been with the ABCA College Baseball Preview since we started this four years ago. This is the best time of the year with seasons already kicking off and seasons getting ready to start. Let's welcome everyone to the podcast. All right. I can't believe baseball season's here. <laughs> Best time of the year. <laughs> it, it's a crazy time, too, with Lou Pavlovich retiring because there's not as much, you know, there's not as many polls out there now. I know. Um, so yeah. I think we're all trying to figure out how to kind of take the, the, the torch from Lou to make it work because he provided such a good service that yeah. we need to all try to chip in on that, whether that's us or somebody else. Like, we need to all continue to try to chip in on that, so... Yeah, because his poll came out in like the end of December, right? You had something to start looking at and getting familiar <laughs> with at that point. Yep. 
Here's Wayne Cavati, uh, Dean of D2, uh, but his uh, ex Twitter handle is at Wayne Cavati underscore D2 if you want to interact with with Wayne there. So Wayne, thanks for jumping on. I it's like I told you before we jumped on. I can't believe it's baseball season. I'm ready. Uh, thanks for having me as yeah, always. Yeah, and this is year three for you and I doing this. It's fun when when I get to talk. This means the baseball season's here, and uh, so it's always an exciting time for everybody. And you were really high on Angelo last year. I mean, you've been high on Angelo for a couple of years, but you were really high on Angelo last year. Yeah, and uh, uh, breaking news, I'm high on them again yes. this year. <laughs> um, you know, I think uh, it's 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 fun because one of the big storylines, I think, this year is what can Angelo State do? You know, uh, we're, we, we're silly if we think this. It's not like Wingate a few years ago that kind of came out of nowhere and won the national championship and was this program that was like, whoa, like this is Angelo State. They've been to carry three straight times. Kevin Brooks is a brilliant coach and has gotten there like, what, five or six times in his career. This is a team that's just been knocking on the door and now they're over the hump and it's like, are we on the verge of a Tampa, right? Are we going to see like three or four titles in the five, six year span now that they got there? So I think I'm not trying to put too much pressure on you coach brooks if you're listening but i think it's one of the good storylines to watch he was phenomenal on the podcast this summer when i interviewed him and he did a really good job and gave some really good insights on some of the things that he's changed you know over the course of his career to give them an opportunity to win it because i think as we all know at every level it's really hard to win a national championship and i think that there was a lot of insight on that of him changing things to try to give them an opportunity to win more yeah and and You've seen it in their approach to pitching and defense over the years that, you know, the way that he, I mean, they've always had big hitters. It's Texas. There's always going to be big hitters there. And now they got a speedy team, you know, now they got good pitching. Um, last year was a couple transfers that helped them in the pitching department, you know? Yeah. And it's like you said, it's, it's, you know, you got to adapt if you want to win a national championship. Is there any way to keep them and Mesa away from each other? No. There's none, not, <laughs> not with the division two setup. Is there? There's no way to to get around that. They're always going to have to beat each other up to to try to get there. Correct? Yeah, yeah, and it's you know it's what I always say when people ask me what I think about the the baseball regional system is I get it from the D two perspective, right? I I understand why we have it, but it will always be upsetting to me that Angelo State and Colorado Mesa will never get to play for a national championship because it would be a great three game series if that's what it came down to. But I mean, you, you nailed it. I, I think Colorado Mesa, once again, we're, we're looking at a top five team, you know, and, and it's just going to be, it's a shame that they're both in the same in, in part of the bracket. Is Are the early season region rankings important? I, I mean, when, when does no, it really start to matter for them it, for it, seeding it, purposes? I put out my preseason rankings, you know that, and, and so do other people. And, and I want people to read them, but really what you should, and same with the regional rankings, what I think you're looking at is, okay, here's what a lot of people think is the landscape. But as you know, and we've discussed it in the past, the rolling start in D2 baseball is different. Um, so really, not only does it mean anything because we haven't seen teams play, we're not going to see some of these teams play until February 28th, 20, you know, that, that area. Um, but I do think it's cool. We're seeing a lot of these, these schools, like you see the Northeast schools playing that Myrtle beach tournament at the Ripken experience, uh, next or the, the second week of the season. And then I think they go right to carry, you know, and you do see these, these power teams, Wilmington, St. Thomas Aquinas is in there. Um, you know, Franklin Pierce, 
those are the teams that are trying to get down south and play those early season games. And you're going to play different competition. So it's really testing you early because these teams want to build that that postseason resume and, and get going from the start instead of waiting around for the snow to clear and, and get on the baseball field. And you're coming out with your Power 10 tomorrow because this episode won't release till the following Monday. So your Power 10 comes out tomorrow. Just talk a little bit about those 10 teams. Uh, well, like I like I said, no surprise, Angelo State is, is on top. And, you know, one of the things, like I said, there's not – you're going on numbers from last year's returners that are back, right? And that, that means nothing year to year. So one of the things I'm looking at that we've seen, and we've talked about this the past two years, is – I covered all D2 sports and I'm seeing it in football and basketball. The COVID eligibility is fading out. We're seeing a lot of new faces and the for, the fall and the winter season of D2 sports has been completely unpredictable because of that. And so what I'm looking at in these preseason rankings is stability, is head coaches that have proven they're going to win ball games. Um, it really comes down to coaching. And, and so that's why I have Angelo State you know, Tampa is number two. North Greenville, what Landon Powell has done there. They lost arguably one of the, the top five players in D2 baseball history and John Michael Fail. And I don't think they lose that much if it makes sense in the big picture because of that, that lineup and pitching staff they're returning. I have Augustana uh, ranked very highly. Uh, I think it's eight returners in their lineup. That's huge. Um, Colorado Mesa is number five. Millersville, again, another solid coaching staff. Another tough pitching rotation. I have West Florida really high because they're returning two guys that I think could be pitcher of the year candidates. Uh, and I think they're, they really come a long way. They hosted the regional last year. You know, I got you Indy in there after that surprise run last year, but they return all those guys. So that's exciting. Um, central Missouri, because if you have a top 10 without central Missouri, you're, you're a fool because uh, coach Crooks has built a powerhouse there. And then I actually have a tie at, at number 10 with Seton Hill and um, Colorado, uh, I'm sorry, California, uh, Stan Bernardino. I, I think CSUSB, the Coyotes, um, have a very UC San Diego feel to them. And you remember, they won the West Region three years in a row. They blend power, they blend contact, and they have these pitchers that have been around the system. I, I just think, um, yeah, San Bernardino is going to be tough to beat this year. So th that's my top 10-ish because I have a tie, so it's 11 teams. Is that kind of a benefit for you, though, too? Because you can stay a little bit more regionalized with the ranking piece because you're trying to pick basically the best teams in those separate regions and who's going to come out of those regions at the end. Yeah, I mean, and and that's absolutely what you look for, right? Like, by no means are the eight teams that make it to carry the best eight teams in baseball, but when you're looking to get there, when you're looking at the big, big picture, you're looking at the top three teams in each region, you know, and I'll bring up the Atlantic region, how absolutely you want to talk about a storyline, Millersville, Seton Hill, and East Stroudsburg are three of the best teams in the country. And they're going to have to beat each other just to make it out of their own conference. Never mind the brand, you know, like, um, so I think when you, when you're looking at that, you're looking at the minute details to try to figure out what separates Millersville from Seton Hill, from East Stroudsburg and, and makes them in my opinion, you know, where they rank in my opinion. And it's, it really comes down to to coaching and 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 returners and health. Health is a big one. Do you like keeping it at ten teams? Cause I, you know, for me, I think it's so hard, especially early, to go to twenty five. You got you know, the NCBWA rankings came out. There's a lot of teams in there. I just think it's a little easier to to stick with those power ten teams. 
It, it, I, I, I don't know if you could see it. Here's a stack. These are a hundred reports I got from coaches in the preseason. And I read every one of them, every name, every stat they send me. Um, so yet to say ranking 10 teams is very difficult, but it's also, I think, very important to keep it kind of a narrow focus because we do have other polls that you could lean on, you know, that to, to see the bigger picture things. And if I, I mean, for me to ever try to do my own regional rankings, um, you know, I, I did that when I had my D2 report newsletter and I tried to keep up with it. And it, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot to, to keep up when you're a one man team. Um, so, but I think keeping it at that 10, it, it really narrows the focus and maybe hopes on a national level to, to zoom in on a national level. You're so concerned with your region, you know, like if, if you're a Tampa fan, all you care about is the South, but you're also a Tampa fan. So, you know, there's a chance you're, you're going to see other teams down the road. So he, having those 10 teams as a fan gives you kind of like, okay, this is who I might see and carry. I'm going to pay attention to him this season. So I think that's why it's important. Is the transfer portal making it more challenging for the division two coaches? Absolutely. Um, both in division and out of division. There's a lot of D2 um, guys moving back and forth between D2 teams, you know, and you, and I look and I applaud some of these I don't want to call them old school and make them feel old, but old school coaches that are still trying to build a homegrown team the way they want to do it, like a North Georgia or, or a Catawba. And I applaud them for that. And you want to know what I even applaud them more for is that they stay competitive, right? They're, they're, they're going to stay atop their conferences, but there's no doubt that transfer portal um, makes it, it very hard because you look at a team like North Georgia and they find that homegrown guy and he plays two years with them and he's really good. And then all of a sudden it's like, how do you keep them like you used to back in the day? Um, it, I, it's said a, it's it, a, I said at our convention, I said, you almost have to play it to your advantage as a coach is like, okay, there's no guarantees here, but come here, do a good job for two years and then see what happens after that. You can yeah. almost switch that around to where you can start using that to your advantage. I know you're going to have younger players, but you might get some of the better younger players out of that. And and you mentioned COVID. Are there maybe some names that we haven't heard here in Division Two that, that you're hearing might surprise some people this season? Um, I think there, uh, there's a bunch of names that are maybe not COVID, but, you know, coming in from the transfer portal, D1 guys that are, are you know, Central Missouri has a couple um, pitchers that I, I'm looking at that I think – is going to really boost them. And it's, but it's a lot of these D one guys that come here, are either coming off injury or they were bullpen guys that are now going to be starters and you don't know how they're going to hold up. So um, I, th I think there's a nice blend of newcomers this year, you know, talking about the COVID eligibility that, um, you know, are, are going to make an instant impact, but um, you know, how quick it's it, it, same thing with transfer any year. There's just more of them. It's how quickly they gel with, with the program and, and the system that they're in. Yeah. That that's the hard thing with, with relying on transfers is obviously they're leaving a place for a reason. And, and some of it, especially with your bounce back D one guys, they didn't get an opportunity to play very much. So you're going to have to massage those egos a little bit when they get there to remind them right. that they're good. Kevin and I talked about it last year. You have to remind them that they were good, you know, they, that they're good players sometimes with that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's a great point. And, and, you know, like a lot of these guys just need the chance and, and it becomes, like you said, it becomes mental. Like they're, they're still great players. And, you know, the, the big thing on D2 that I always say is if you have talent, they're going to find you. Like you should never, ever think of a D as a D1 player that going to D2 is any sort of demotion, right? There are tons of players on major league rosters right now 
that, you know, Josiah Gray is an ace in Washington. Like, there's plenty of guys. J.D. Martinez didn't, uh, you know, uh, he, he won a World Series, I think, right? Wasn't he on the That's Dodgers right. when they, like, there, there's guys that have won World Series out there. So, um, yeah, it, it's it's always to remember that you have talent and it's not the end of the road. It's just the beginning, you know, and I, I think that's it's the very important thing to keep sight of. It seemed like we had a, a, a like a two year span where we had a lot of D2 schools going to Division One, but I don't think we've had as many this year, correct? No, yeah, I think. I think Lemoyne might be the only school to make the jump this year, right? Yeah, but you're right. You know, we had Cal Baptist, um, San Diego, Bellarmine, uh, Southern USI. Indiana. Like it just yeah, seemed like yeah. there was a there's a, a large stretch there for two. Yeah. Um, well, and then West Georgia is going to be doing it next year. But yeah, I think I'm pretty sure it's just Lemoyne this year, um, which is nice. I like the stability and, and the consistency when you don't have a lot of teams jumping around. But you know, Lemoyne is a power in the East. It's going to be very interesting to see who gets to step in and take that the almost guaranteed tournament spot that Lemoyne almost always And they filled. were a really good division one program too. Before they went yeah. before they dropped down to division two, they were a really good division one program in that area. Yeah. Yeah. And it's tough in the East, right? You don't get the hard throwers. You don't get a lot of playing time on the field because of the, especially Lemoyne. Lemoyne's in Syracuse. I mean, there's snow there till May. <laughs> so it's tough. Anybody outside looking in on that that power ten that you really like? Yeah, um, there's a bunch. Uh, I like there's teams like I like I, I mentioned East Stroudsburg. I like East Stroudsburg. I really like Southern Arkansas this year. I think they have a lot of good returners. Um, you know, like I, I don't know that they're necessarily um, top fifteen right now, but a team that I, I really really like is Maryville. Um, and then I don't, a lot of people are probably going to wonder why, and it's fair. I don't have Rollins in my top 10 right now. Um, I mean, we're talking back to back, you know, South region champs and carry, but they lost six players from their starting lineup. Uh, they lost a little bit of, of pitching. And the thing for me about Rollins is if you look at the opening schedule, they play Hunt, Alabama, Huntsville, Montevallo, Colorado Mesa, and West Florida. That is brutal. So if they come out of their 500, I'm back on the Rollins. Like, all they got to do is play 500 against that schedule, and I'm back on Rollins being a top-10 team. But with so much change, same same with Southern New Hampshire. I have them outside the top-10. New coach, a lot of players uh, moved on. But we're talking about a team that's won the East region three years in a row, right? Like, I just need to see some more before I'm confident saying everything's going to be okay with so much change. Um, but Ashland's a team I like when we're going deep. Belmont Abbey's a team I like if we're going deep. Um, I think it's to your to your point earlier. I like doing the top ten, but I really think there's 35 to 40 teams this year that right now are as much of a contender as anybody else. It, it's a great time in D2 baseball. With your other responsibilities, when can you really start to bear down on the baseball season? In the past, I, I used to do my fall reports. It got a lot harder. <laughs> this year uh and and i did i did slip a little bit in that um i like to keep up with fall i like to be more detail this year it was more kind of just following online to be perfectly honest with you so i really started gearing in in december um you know we talked about the before we came on the collegiate baseball uh newspaper poll being no longer and it's just it's weird not having that early early look at at 40 teams that that could be competitive um but, you know, like like I said, I had all those reports over there. I, I like to send the email out, and I really dig in deep, and I like to get them early enough that I could ask questions before the season starts on transfers or, or freshmen or anything like that. So 
I dig in probably really deep is in mid December, and, and I start my research. Then um, it's a lot of video because uh, it's cold, and quite honestly, I don't want to sit at a baseball field when it's that cold. But it's a lot of video and just a lot reading these reports that I'm so appreciative the the coaches are are willing to share with me. Any other storylines for Division Two baseball fans out there to pay attention to before, uh, during the well, season? This isn't during the season, but the the Houston Winter Invitational. I know we talk about it every year. It gets better and better each year. So this year we got Central Missouri, Millersville, Tampa, Southern New Hampshire, St. Cloud State, and Arkansas Tech. Right off the bat, you know, I think that we're we're gonna get what, a good. What are gauge. the dates on those? What's February second through fourth. It's that first weekend uh, of baseball. Everybody. Yeah. Um, I, I think a couple of the there's a couple Northwood, for example, has a new coach, lost their three top pitchers. This was a team that's been pretty consistent. Charleston, um, West Virginia was was making big strides in that Atlantic region and they lost their coach. What's that gonna look like? Um, Southern New Hampshire, we mentioned already, a, a powerhouse with a new coach. I think those are always storylines um when when you go into that. And then, you know, is it a storyline? Tampa has a lot of transfers this year. Tampa only seems as a lot of transfers. So it's how quickly will those Tampa transfers gel and, and can Tampa get over the Rollins hump that has, has mysteriously come out of nowhere and, and has been such a, a hard riddle for them to solve. I think that's always going to be a storyline. Um, but that, that Southeast region and the South region. And now, now you got to put the South central in there as the, as the big three that I'm watching. Um, as far as who comes out of there, they're they're just so deep to me, uh, and it's it, you know I just I wonder um, those races are just going to be really fun to watch. Where else can people interact with you on social? Um, you know what, uh, this is some exciting news. I, I don't know if you saw it, but there's now the D two Baseball Insider. Will Connerly, Robert Fry, and Andrew Hill are starting it, and you know the thing about D two media that's different than other levels. And, I, and this is the same with the guys at d2football.com and smallcollegebasketball.com. We have to work together, right? There, there's no ESPN to go to to see what we, we have to work together. And I'm really excited that those three started this D, D2 Baseball Insider. They have their own national poll, and I'm going to be contributing with them. So, you know, when that when those issues start, I believe they start January 31st. I'm not in that first issue because it's loaded with coaches, interviews, and everything. Um but we're going to have like a little weekly column and, and you're going to be able to find my stuff there. I'm still on um, NCAA.com. And like you mentioned my Twitter handle, uh, Wayne Cavati underscore D2. Um, that's really where I, I make my living. And uh, occasionally the D2 Nation podcast did take a break. Again, we just got bogged down and stuff. But I'm hoping to bring that back come baseball season. Wayne, thanks so much for your time, man. It's always a great time of the year for me. So I appreciate you jumping on with me. Uh, I appreciate you always uh, inviting me on. Thank you. You're a busy man right now. Oh my gosh, you wouldn't even believe. Oh, I know. I've been I've been watching you on Twitter. <laughs> Wabash is playing right now in my area. Okay. I was just like, I think I need to get stuff done today. <laughs> kind of forego the forego a game. Yeah, it's it's always that. For you all, it's like you can't get to everything. You just—it's gnarly, especially it's this time of year. Yeah, yeah, it's impossible. It's fun. <laughs> it's a great time of year, but it's just—it's impossible to get to everything. <laughs> if you file online, have you talked to Brian much? Yeah, I talked to him this morning actually. Is about... he doing okay? 
preseason's preseason. You're going off what everybody did last year. I mean, that's that's what preseason polls. Right. I was always I'm always hesitant. I voted for the USA Today uh, top twenty five coaches poll for Division One forever, and it just was it was really hard to, to put that initial list together before teams had started playing because you just didn't know. There's so much time between when fall ball ends and when when the spring starts that you just don't know with 18 right. to 24 year olds one what type of shape they're going to come back in you know who gets hurt who, who's healthy you know it has a lot who's to up to speed who's not like yes. especially in the juco game it's like yes a lot of these guys haven't played college baseball before yes like they still got to get COVID stuff's base. about out you know that's yeah. the thing like they're they're back to where they were before where you're back to relying on 18 and 19 year old kids yeah, you know where that you know it was good for a little bit, which fun because it was good at every level. But you know, hopefully for me, I'm a development first type of coach. I want to see who can actually take young kids and, and develop them. Um, right, and that's that's where the separator happens, you know, for sure. Especially like back any, any any guy that can sell can go in the portal and yep. pitch, you know. But yep. yep, for sure, for sure. Here with Troy Sutherland, uh, PG National Scouting Coordinator, PG Mid-South. It's at uh, T. Sutherland, PG. But Brian Sikowski had done this the last couple of years for PG, but took a job with Duke. So congrats, Brian. But, Troy, thanks for jumping on with me. Yeah, we're definitely going to miss Brian. I mean, there's no <laughs> – you could say he's worth two people, but I wouldn't even do that. That wouldn't even do him justice. It's a college games game, though. You know, that, that, that's a <laughs> yeah. cool thing. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him on this side of things and, and getting away from that. But, uh, you know, he'll do a good job. He works really, really hard. Yeah, harder than anybody. Yeah, we were kind of talking off. What have, what have we've learned so far in the initial? Because JUCO's going, uh, you know, for anybody that doesn't really pay attention to junior college as much, they, they don't have a starting date, so they can get going, whatever. So what have we learned so far here in January? Uh, I mean – only opening weekend really in Florida, and you saw some Texas, some Arizona. A um, couple teams at the top maybe stumbled right out of the gate. Obviously, Central Florida got off to a less than desirable start. Uh, Weatherford dropped one against probably a team that we can look back in a couple months and say, yeah, they would probably got that team if this game was played in March. But I think that's just part of it, you know, getting all these guys up to the college speed. Like we kind of talked about before, uh, you're starting to see junior college baseball go back to being like kids that are fresh out of high school instead of it being uh, just loaded up with transfer portal guys that have played one, two years already. So, so for you, I mean, obviously you do both. So you're, you're on the, the high school side of everything. You're on the junior college side of it. Are there some names that, that maybe didn't go to four-year schools that are at junior colleges right now that we need to pay attention to? Yeah, I think I think the standout's actually from my state. It's Luis Castillo. He's going to be at Florida Southwestern this year. Never committed to a four-year college. I think it was more like draft or JUCO. I think this was the plan all along for him and his, him and his family. Um it's huge power, big arm in the outfield. I mean, he was good enough to go to PG National uh, two years ago now. So he was definitely a standout that we had our eyes on early. Well, what sticks out to you about PG National? That was always one of my favorite things I ever went to. I mean, I think it's really one of the cornerstone events of amateur baseball. Uh, I mean, it's been going for so long now. It's kind of like just a given. Like if you're if you're one of those guys, then you get get that experience to – 
go play in front of everybody at a big stadium. I think it's awesome. Yeah, that was when I first got into it. And you, you started to hear this early 2000s and people are like, OK, you got to go. And then when I finally got to Iowa and we had a good enough budget and could recruit a little bit more nationally, I went for the first time and I told people that a lot. I'm like, if you have any high school parents out there that think their kids are good, send them to PG National and have <laughs> them actually watch. And you know, and, and uh, PBR is that way too with the Futures Games. But if you if you think your kid's good at all, go watch those events because you're gonna you're gonna figure out pretty quick if your kid's good or not. <laughs> you're gonna figure out who's who in the zoo. <laughs> so who else is getting ready to go here early on that that we should be paying attention to? Obviously, we got Panama City Beach next weekend, so I'm gonna be down there. Uh, we're going to get good looks at some of the really top teams, including McLennan, who's going to run out. I mean, just countless top 100 level arms for us. I mean, when this thing comes out on Tuesday, it's probably going to drop some jaws with how many arms we have from McLennan inside our top 100. <laughs> Who else then? I mean, I, I, you know, you said somebody, you said Wabash is going right now. Yeah, yeah you got Wabash Valley. So. I think probably the biggest question mark for Wabash Valley is like, what's Jackson Susie going to be this year? Uh, he was he was a real high name for us last year, like upwards of top ten. Um, then just didn't pitch. Uh, kind of weird getting info out of there uh, through the spring. I've heard some reports about some pins that happened in the fall. It looks explosive, so I think like that's going to be like a starred name for me when I head down there next week. You know, just running down the, uh, you know, I think this is the coaches that actually put the top 25 poll together for the NJCAA, but just running that down, it's College of Central Florida, Wabash, Weatherford, Blinn, Walter State, Northwest Florida State, Central Arizona, Johnson County, Crowder, Iowa Western, McLennan, Salt Lake, Sanjack, North, uh, Gaston, who's in their third season of junior college baseball, and, and Coach Doty's done a good job with them, Florence Darling, Florida Southwestern, Cowley, Shelton, New Mexico, and then Delgado. Um, you know, for you, it seems like you're fairly high on McLennan. Would you put McLennan up a little bit higher than that? Uh, it's coming out tomorrow, but they're going to be way up there. Okay, yeah. good, good. <laughs> so what, what are some other teams maybe that, that you have that, that aren't in that group? So we get to lump D2 in with D1. Like, we, we do the whole thing. So I think right off the bat, you know, Pearl Rivers and LSU Eunice are going to be way up there for us inside the top 25 really inside the top 20 when i look at it um obviously pearl river is going to be running out a big big arm that's going to draw a lot of eyeballs and connor Ware going to lsu next year um he was pumping mid to upper nines in the fall at showcases and i think it's probably going to what i hear from avalon is he's probably going to pitch at more 91 94 but i think really at 91 94 that stuff plays so, and then Eunice, I mean, talking to Jeff Willis, I mean, they're running out big, big arms there too, and deep. And this is a first year for Division Two Junior College where they have an at-large, they have an auto bid to the World Series for the first time ever, which Division Three has had that. Um, so I'm excited for those because it just seems like there's so many good teams in that region that end up beating each other up. And, and I think that's the other thing with – why as a junior college coach, you shouldn't panic early because everybody's going to go play in your conference tournament. You got to win your conference tournament. But obviously with some of these auto bids that are coming out, I think it just helps get the best teams in the in the field at the end. I, I think it really helps with early season scheduling. And I, I talked to some coaches that mentioned that is that, yeah, like you'd see, I'm not going to name names, but you would see some like D2 powerhouses play like pretty soft, pretty soft February, March 
And that's just not, I don't think it's good for the sport. So when we can have good teams play good teams all the time, I think that's just really good. What are some other, well, did you pay attention to what Jeremy Booth did with his deal that he put together in, in Texas? I saw the six, the six teams played down there in, at Globe Life. Interesting, because it was, it was junior college teams, but then also draftable prospects. Yeah, I think I think what he did down there was probably pretty cool. It's like, interesting. There's, there's really not a lot going on this time of year. Yep. So when you can consolidate really high-end prep talent with standout JUCO teams, like that's going to get eyeballs for sure. Ian Taylor and I, PG, have talked about this. You know, people pay attention to social media and they see, well, why are kids throwing right now? Well, a lot of these kids have their seasons getting ready to start. You know, some of the warmer weather. California plays a completely different high school schedule. Texas, you know, that's the interesting thing is like these guys need to be fairly close to being on-ramped because their seasons are getting ready to get started. Yeah, I'm, I'm a California kid myself, but I, I'll tell you, it never stopped. I mean, it it was it was 12 months a year. Yeah, so. for sure. Now, have you paid attention much to the Division Three stuff? Because Noah Sharp and I dive in a little bit that just with the you know it's different because they don't have scholarships. Um, but just running, we, we have was, a couple yep. D three names on the board, but I wouldn't say like my knowledge is super extensive. Yeah. Yeah, because Noah and I cover that too. Noah's pretty much yeah. covering all of that. He, he loves it. I know he does. Yeah, he does. You know, Noah's good. He's a good. He's been a good. He's been with me since the beginning. Since we've been doing these, so it's cool to have new people that I haven't talked to before. You know, so California. You were covering PG in California for a long time. Then. Yeah, it, it was brief, and it was mostly on a part-time basis. So when I came on full-time, I I moved down here to the Dirty South and kind of been eating this up now. So. What are some other teams out there that maybe were on the fringe that you're going to pay attention to here early? In California? Just anywhere for G. Um, I think, I think like in California, we're looking at Santa Ana kind of with interesting eyes again, uh, especially coming off a big year. Obviously, Arizona is a pretty, it's a powerhouse state for Juco, but I think South Mountain's got some really talented pieces there. So. Yeah, Callie, they're kind of them and the NWAC. They're kind of over there by themselves. I don't yeah, think we can ever Andy get Peterson them. To, <laughs> just from a scheduling standpoint, I don't. I don't think we can ever get that winner to go play. It'd be nice to be able to add California and the NWAC winner into Grand yeah, Junction mean, if we could do it. That's something we all dream about, you know. Yeah, but I don't think it's ever going to happen. I think there's just too much nonsense with it. I've but. even thought about could we bring the All American teams to Omaha? and have them play a tournament um, during the College World Series. That's a forward-thinking idea. I love, I love it. it. I just think because we're, <laughs> we're already in charge of, of our own All-America teams, I think it would be really cool for baseball if we could get, you know, junior college, Division two, Division three, NAI, get their All-America teams to come play a tournament. Just play yeah, I'm ready to stand with you on that one. I love that idea. Because <laughs> there's enough fields over there, too. You've got the AAA Stadium. you got UNO. you got Creighton. You could play practice at Creighton. But there, there's a lot of cool things you could do with that. Yeah, that's awesome. Who do you feel like is going to play for Division One and Division Two for the national championship? I think Weatherford. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Coach Lightfoot's team this year. I think they're deep on the mound. I think they really can put the ball in play a lot. Uh, maybe that's the California and me talking, but I don't think they're going to strike out a ton, and I think that they're going to run in some power. So uh, it's them. If McLennan can put up enough runs, I think they're in that conversation. Uh, State College of Florida is really strong at the top. Uh, I don't know. I think it, I think it's a wide open field this year. Really, I don't think there's a clear cut one. Uh, maybe Central Florida, like coming off that big year and. They had a lot of hype around them going into this year. 
I think they're still probably the favorite to win it all, but only time will tell, really. So, You're looking at the history of the draft here lately, there haven't been as many junior college kids taken. Um, you know, and I know that was always kind of the history of junior college is go to junior college first, but I think the the pro orgs now are still kind of in that wait and see mode with guys for, for right or wrong. I don't, I don't agree with that. I think you take the best available guys. Um, yeah. It has a lot to do with the 20 round draft. It, it you sure know. does. And they're, they're trying to get rid of more minor league players. So it, it's only going to continue to be more forward to d- the four year schools. Just it's upsetting for me, the converse effect of advocates for minor leaguers and what it turned into. Yes. It turned into let's do a good thing and try to get these guys livable wages and yeah higher living standards and then it turned into a lot of a lot of good baseball players losing their jobs unfortunately yeah because it's still a business on their end which i, I mean yeah. i see both sides of it i see the development piece and giving more guys opportunities but i also see the, the bottom line from the pro orgs too it's like okay if we're going to pay them more money to play then obviously we may have to cut that back because budgets are yeah. budgets no matter what business you're in budgets still budget it's it's a bummer, really. <laughs> I mean, are there any like names right off the top? You mentioned a couple names. Are any of those guys legit top ten rounds? Drew, Drew Pesca at John A. Logan this year, I think, is a top three to five round guy. It it could be ninety five, ninety nine, with real spin and everything I've heard from Kyle. There is it's he's commanding it, you know, not just kind of locating it and controlling it around the zone. I think he's really really driving the glove there. So like him, uh, Gavin Jones is a two way at McLennan, uh, pretty highly touted prospect. He's probably going to debut at number two for us behind Petska. And then you have Brandon Arvidsson at San Jack who had his first start yesterday. It looked, looked every bit of what we thought it was going to be. And then Tanner Reeves infielder from Bullen going to LSU as well. So what about guys that moved on that are four year schools right now? We're getting ready. We'll do the Division One uh, preview the week after this comes out. Are there any guys that moved on from junior college baseball to Division One that people need to pay attention to? There was a lot of names last year. Uh, our top, our top two guys are Christian Opor. Obviously, got drafted the White Sox pretty early, and so did Kyle Carr. Carson Dorsey, the the left-hander from Gulf Coast, he's at Florida State now. Uh, it's I heard there's some velo questions in the fall, but. Everything that we saw at Gulf Coast last year, if he can repeat that success, like that's a huge ACC arm. You know, that's the thing, too, is like I know they play a lot of junior college, but the volume of throwing continues to ramp up. And that was always a thing with our junior college arms that they just still had to get acclimated to the amount of throwing, too, because it was still different for them. It was still different. So you might see a guy tick back. Plus, you never know with strength training. That was always a big one, too. Division one level, the strength training is way more aggressive probably than what kids have been used to. So you are going to yeah. see a little bit of a velo dip down in the fall and, and they're getting used to school and there's just a lot of things that play into them getting acclimated to that level, but you'll usually see it kick, kick back up to where it was in the spring. Yeah. I think that's why there's probably no pause for concern. Yep. Um, but when you're at a Juco, you know, like if you're, if you're the guy, like you're probably going to get road like the guy. So like these guys step on campus and there's 12 to 15 guys just like them. It's like, all right, well, how am I going to, how, how am I going to carve out a role here? So when are you heading to Florida? I'll be there on the first, I think my flight. Okay. So and they start playing the second. Uh, Maybe they start playing the first. Maybe I'm going to 31st. I got to be your travel secretary. I know. <laughs> I'll have to look so all how many teams total? I'll that? be there for game one. How many teams total are there? 
I think there's 16. That's right. I thought it was 16. So you're going to get yeah. a good look at here early as far as. Yeah, I'm really pumped. And we have another guy on the JUCO staff that's headed down there with me. So I know I know we're really excited after all this work we put in to go down there and actually watch some ball and get off the back end here. Do they have two sites going on? Is that how they work? I mean, they, have, they have like a quad. At, at okay, the so it's quad. So it's similar to, to what you'd see at a PG setup Correct. with the quad, which is good. It's good for, for everyone. Yeah, and and now you have Pearl River going. So, like, there's a D2 team getting some early strength of schedule stuff going on. So, like, I'm really excited about to see them. Uh, Michael Gupton's at Gulf Coast now. I don't know if you remember that name, but he set, like, records for a 60-yard dash to the point where it was, like, people were questioning whether it was real or not. Uh, obviously, it was real. That goes without saying. He ran it twice, actually, but that's – Real speed. <laughs> Any other storylines that people need to pay attention to? Uh, I don't think like there's really a storyline, but there is like a lot of good talent where it's like these are draft guys and there's no other baseball going on this weekend. So these are really big looks for a lot of these kids. Yeah, yeah love it. I love our junior couch coaches. Shout out to our junior couch coaches at all of our There's levels. so many good ones out there. They have uh they have been some of my favorites for a long time. And we got some lifers there too. I mean, and, and guys that probably could have moved on to division one schools, but have opted to stay in uh, just because they've, they've found their niche. And, you know, honestly, it's easy to, a lot it's of them price themselves out. Like we, uh, JR in our office, Jim Richardson, he sent out a survey there, uh, you know, and so it came back with salaries for junior college coaches. There's some junior college coaches make a lot of money out there. <laughs> there are. Now, some Hello. aren't, but especially out in California, because those guys teach still. Right. You know, that's a thing. Yeah, that's I a big part of the, with the California salaries is they're te they have to teach. So, you know, that's a big part of it. For them. And I know there was a lot of high school coaches making over 100 grand when I played. So, yep. yeah, for sure. Pretty, pretty solid stuff. What are some final thoughts before I let you go? Um, take a look at some of these, these maybe like not top 10 schools with really high end talent. There's a switch hitter from Coach East from France. Matisse Marant that could really turn some heads. Uh, he's committed to Arizona after this year, but switch hitting middle infielder, pretty liable to get popped. Um, you got Sam Girth from Navarro, another pretty high-end arm that could sneak into that draft consideration. And then you got, you got a lot of guys that are like just standout athletes. Like all up and down this board, we're running into real standout athleticism. Those guys put it all together. Like those are guys that turn into impact guys. And I think that's where the the transfer portal helps junior college baseball because Division One is going after more older guys from their own level. Where I think that that you're going to see really good freshmen and sophomores at the junior college level, just because they are trying to keep their options open. So I think it kind of is going back to where it used to be with that, where you're going to see really good freshmen and sophomores at the junior college level. I know it, it doesn't, you know, they they do gripe a little bit because it's hard on their guys, you know, that they're trying to get placed. But I really do feel like it's it's going to be a great time for junior college baseball with the young, bring the young guys back. I'm so excited for this year. I'm ready to get going. Trey, I appreciate your time, man. This is awesome. Always love Thanks it. For me. Love it. All right. Appreciate you. Good luck with everything. Safe travels. Yep. Have a good one. All right. Here with No Sharp again, uh, Juco Ball blog, uh, but at underscore the JBB or at the underscore Noah underscore Sharp. Those are the yep, two spots, pretty much. Right? 
Uh, yep, that, that hits it all. Great to be back, Ryan. It's yeah, awesome. Yep. And if you guys haven't dove in on Noah, it's at at the JBB. Dump on there because he's already putting a lot of good info out here. And you do such a good job at, at all three uh, junior college levels, which is great because we, we need we need more of that. But you do a phenomenal job of putting stuff out. Yeah, I try. I mean, the first year when I started it, I don't know, gosh, now I'm looking back and it's 2018. So I guess I've been doing this a little bit and I only did the division one. And then I was like, you know what? I'm not paying attention to the division two, II, division three. Granted, I don't do as much California and the NWAC stuff just because there's only so much time in the day. But I try to do those the best I can when I can. If, if a guy has a good week or something, I'm not opposed to throwing them up there. I've done it before. I'll do it again. It's just, okay, where's where should I, you know, delegate the most time I can? And so, yeah, but the division two and division three, I think those are the, those have become, I guess, especially the division three, I've kind of, I pay a little bit more attention to that because I think it's a little bit funner just because, I mean, like division three baseball at the NCAA level, it has all the same talent, just kind of gets crapped on a little bit more because, oh, you're a junior college, but then, oh, you're also a division three junior college. Like, hold on, like, let's, let's explain how the talent works there. Yeah. And I mean, they've beaten tons of division one schools. So it, I, I find it just as entertaining and if not more entertaining to follow those ones a little bit more in depth. Yeah. And I want to dive into division two first. Um, and then we'll, we'll mm -hmm. go division three and division one, but you put your top 40 out, but it was interesting because the preseason polls came out for the junior college coaches and you mm -hmm. have Heartland, Eunice, Pearl River. I think everybody's high on Pearl River. Madison, Walsh, Dothan, Frederick, Lansing, Jones, Lackawanna, and, and Southeastern are in your mm -hmm. top ten. Um, and and Walsh, Dothan, I've been to the Division II Junior College World Series the last three years, and Dothan hasn't been there yet. Um, but, I mean, what, what makes you feel good about them? And, and I mean, that southern area is loaded again. So with them, so one thing that happened this year, I, it didn't hit me until I guess I started breaking down all the divisions, but there was, there's been a bunch of teams that all moved divisions. So half of Alabama ended up splitting. So you have Dothan, Selma, Bishop State, I think Enterprise, and a, a couple other ones. They all dropped Central Alabama. They all dropped down to Division Two. Okay. And Dothan last year was right on the cusp of being, I think they finished second or third to go to Grand Junction. I mean, they had, I think it's Cade Snell, who arguably one of the best two-way player stat lines I've ever seen. Just, I mean, you're 13-0, and 0, but you also hit 400 with 20 home runs. Like, I've never seen that. So he's really their only big key guy that they lost. I mean, they lost, you know, some other guys, but you're returning basically a whole Division One team from last year, and you're dropping down divisions. And then they're playing, I can't remember who they, I think they match up with, the Georgia teams or their Florida? No, it's the Florida teams. So the Florida teams, instead of going to North Carolina now, Florida and Alabama play each other, which kind of makes the regionals a little bit nicer. But just they're dropping down. They didn't lose a whole lot. That's kind of where they went. It's kind of – it was kind of like with Gaston. Like Gaston, I always pronounce Gaston. it wrong. Yeah. But when they jumped up, everyone's like, well, they're going up. I was like, they should have been in the World Series – as the first year program that year. So I'm okay, you know, justifying they're jumping up. They still have all that same talent. I mean, there's a bunch of other teams that dropped down, but they're kind of where the, the one like, uh, like St. John's rivers last year, they dropped down from division one and kind of ran the table. So it's kind of that equivalent there. I really like them. I really like the coaches over there. They always 
they're always super nice to me. So, yeah, I mean, that's not why you rank them there, but I mean, I've never had a problem with talking with any of them. And now with the auto bid that Division Two has, you, you might see somebody come out of that region that Eunice mm-hmm. and Pearl River. You might have two teams coming coming out of that. Region. They got a oh, they got a at large bid now, Division Two. Ooh, I yeah, guess I missed that one. That's one of the cool things about uh, our convention is we have all the committee chairs. Mm-hmm. We'll talk on that Wednesday before we get going, and that was one of the things that they had been pushing for for a while because Division Three's had it. Mm-hmm. Um, it just makes more sense for them just because they are going to have to come out of their regions. It just makes more sense for the auto bid mm-hmm. to, to get the best teams there. And the, and another thing with division two that I think is going to kind of shake up a whole lot of the things, which again, like I didn't notice it until I started to break down which who's getting the bids for which district is the West. So historically the West is just Arizona. Well, now the West is Arizona and the Oklahoma schools. So they, will play each other for, I guess, one spot, potentially two spots, which Arizona, I mean, if you know Arizona, their conference, they're playing the Division One Arizona schools, so their records never seem to align with, hey, they're 30, like I think it was, I can't remember who it was last year, but they were 32 and 29, and they're going, and they're like, oh, they're going to be a cakewalk. No, they ended up almost making the World Series because they're just more battle-tested. Oh, and then we put metal bats in your hands and go to Enid. The ball flies there. So, like, I think that's going to change a bunch because historically, I mean, Oklahoma's always had a team that's gone. Enid's won it two, three years ago. Um, Western Oklahoma's been a bunch. So it's going to just be another step for them to try and get, you know, a spot to go. Is there somebody that looks good in Arizona? I mean, I know they um, all look good. It's hard to tell. But, I mean, because they've had – I think Phoenix has been there a couple times. Mm-hmm. Um, Phoenix has been um, – Glenn, I can't remember if it was one school that, you know, has probably a chance to come out of there too. Them, um, gosh, I can't remember off the top of my head. It's not Paradise Valley, but it might be um and people are talking about I think it might be Glendale who I'm thinking of. Yep. Their coach has been there for a long time. They're they're returning basically their whole staff. They're returning their whole uh I wrote about it on the thing that were my team to watch out there. But uh I think it's gonna be there. That district specifically, I think, is going to be really interesting just because you don't usually have Oklahoma, and I don't know where they're going to play, if it's whoever's the higher seed goes, but I think they're going to be one of the fun ones to kind of watch, see who comes out of there. Heartland have a chance to repeat? They lost a ton off their team from last year. From So when I talked to them, they kind of – they lost a bunch, but from what I talked to them and what I've kind of seen, a lot of the guys they had come back – played a bunch of innings last year, played a bunch of at-bats last year. So they lost a bunch of big names, but they returned a bunch of smaller names and they, you know, supplemented it by bringing in freshmen, bringing in transfers who, I mean, if you, if you know their coach, you know, he doesn't usually kind of brag on his team, but he's like, arguably they're, they're kind of a better team. Shout out Raz and Adam. They're kind of a better team, you know, but like no one's going to call it just because we don't have the big names like last year. We got some names, but it's not like, oh, our whole roster one to nine is just like, well, he's going, you know. So I think I try to not go the defending champ as number one on the preseason just because of like, you know, you at, especially at the junior college level, <laughs> you, you lose so much. You win a national title. Usually you've got 15 sophomores. Yeah. But you know what? Like looking at it, it's like, OK, well, I could justify these other three, but they're returning a bunch. The guys they have coming back have that experience, which at the junior college level is this huge period. So them being one was kind of a, you know what, I'm going to do it. 
I don't usually like to do it, but I'm going to do it because, you know, I can justify it. And yeah. Cause that, that's a good list and that's a good group of coaches too. Cause I've had a chance to meet a, a lot of those coaches for the last three years over there or mm -hmm. I knew them before. I always yeah. like Madison is, is always there at the end too. Mm -hmm. Everybody sleeps on Madison a little bit and coach Davenport, but then they're always there at the end. I mean, it's, it's the cold weather bat, uh, stigma. Yes, it is. So, I mean, Oh, you don't, you play in the cold. You're not going to have the offensive numbers. And then, oh, wait, let's go to warm in Oklahoma with wind. Oh, okay. That changes a few things. And Southeastern played well last year, too. Mm -hmm. They're going to be – I don't think they'll have his pitching, but they're going to have the offense this year, which is kind of a flip of what they usually Coach have. Schulte will get him going. He gets oh, him going. He always does. He's a good pitching guy. Really good. Very. Good. And that's another one where, like Arizona, their conference is the division. So you're playing Iowa Western six times a year. Yep. So your record is not going to be indicative of how good your team is. Which not everyone knows that, but when you, you know, I don't know, that's me digging way too much into it sometimes. And then division three, I, I think that Texas schools are going right now, mm -hmm. right? correct? They're mm -hmm. going already? They started this week. I know Richland played, I think it was TCS postgrad yesterday and they, they won. I don't remember how they, I think run rolled them in one game and won by nine or eight the next. Uh, Texas is going to kind of always be, especially division three level. I think they're always going to be a little bit better. Um, especially since Tyler kind of left and coastal Bend left, you're freeing up all those schools. That, okay. If you're not going to go to Weatherford, you're not going to go to, especially the Dallas area. Cause that's where they all are. If you're not going to Weatherford, Grayson, Rich or McLennan, um, Ranger, then you want to stay around home. You go to those division three schools and you're going to get all that talent that just didn't want to go to big spring. Didn't want to go to, Houston, you know, didn't want to go to the panhandle, but I want to stay home. I want to play. And they're going to have that talent. I think a lot of, I mean, Eastland historically been that big team. I really liked Richland. I mean, I had their number one. That kind of was, I had a couple of coaches were like, who's your number one, you know? Oh, who trying to fish who, who, before it comes out. And I was like, it's going to surprise some people. It's gonna, it's not who you think it's going to be. And then they're like, Oh, Oh, you yeah, know? Okay. Yeah. Like, but again, it's a preseason ranking. Anything can happen. I had Brookhaven last year. I really liked them. I think I had them top five. I think they won 15 games last year. It It's just how it falls sometimes. Yeah. But I really like Richland. I mean, Niagara and Gloucester, they're going to be really good. Gloucester did end up losing a guy. I think he was a first-team All-American. He ended wanted to go closer to home, so he ended up transferring to Brookdale. Um, I put his name if I try to say it. It's like Rocco, Rico... Brzezinski or something, but he ended up leaving and going to Brookdale. But I think both those teams are going to be really good. The Northeast is always a tough get trying to get out of there. Usually that's where the at-large bid comes from. And there's historically been, I think I've talked about it every year, whoever the at-large bid for division three is usually seems to be a team that makes it to the national championship every year or historically they have. I Maybe last year they didn't, but yeah, I mean, I think Tyler won it off it, own, but Cumberland did yeah, when they got Herc it. Are, I think Herc was it. Yeah. So, I mean, the at-large bid, I think, helps expand the field, but also you're getting a team that, hey, you ran into some hot bats, and then either you're beating them again or you're, you know, I think there is a couple qualifications with it. Like, you have to have been in the district final or regional final because that was an issue last year. I think it was with Caldwell or Owens, one of them. They lost in the regional, 
but and didn't go to the districts. And so you kind of had this like, well, we were the better team, but we didn't play in the district finals. So like they didn't get the bid, but they could like, so there's some where's camp out of that's a name that camp I is in um virginia okay i should know they kind of they dropped down they're another one of those ones they dropped from division two to division three two years ago three years ago okay. and kind of had a really rough first year because i don't think they're as funded as some other division two II, division three schools and then they just went on a tear last year coaching staff does a great job over there uh they're i mean it's I think they play in the North Carolina region. So like you're going to play against the Caldwells. You're going to play against the, uh, the Rockinghams. Um, but they're going to be really good again. They had, I think they were one of two or three teams that had one or two preseason all Americans for us. So they're, they always play the game, right? They're not really, a, they're kind of a quieter bunch, but I mean, again, it's, it's a school you're not really going to look at if you're not digging through all the division three schools. And some of the Division One JUCOs have started already too, correct? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So there was the, uh, the Southern Nevada tournament started this past weekend. I think the biggest surprise there was Arizona Western. I think they beat San Jack. They beat Central Arizona. I think they went four zero on the weekend against some not easy teams. Which, I mean, I always this year I kind of thought Arizona's on a downslope a little bit. Not that Arizona's ever down, but looking at the how the that district shapes up. Coaches left. So the Central Arizona staff, they all left. I think one went to Arizona State, one went to Washington State. And not that a coaching staff really affects the, the junior college. Was, was there forever. Yeah, so that's going to kind of affect them. But in that region, I think the biggest surprise usually coming out of there is which Arizona team is going to be the one that squeaks by. I think in that district as a whole, I think it's Region 18 is the one that doesn't ever get any love. It's the, the Colorado-Nebraska – that region, I love Southeast Nebraska. Like back-to-back -back regional champs was a one win away from going to Grand Junction last year. They return a whole bunch of their team. Granted, I have them number 10, so of course I love them. And I have them above every other Arizona school. But I think Southeast, if any year can do it, I think with Arizona being a tick lower than they usually are with Southern Nevada and Southern Idaho kind of in Salt Lake, kind of like they're going to be good, but who knows? I mean, you need two solid good weekends to get out of – your region and then your district. And then I think Southeast could go there. And then they're already playing in Nebraska. You give them metal bats now in Grand Junction. Like, I think it's going to be, a, I think they're a team that if the season goes right, they have a chance to be there at the end. And granted, it's not a team normal people or normally you would think of. I think I was the only person that had them ranked anywhere, but that's me digging into I get way too into this sometimes and my <laughs> wife laughs and she's just like, I'll have the coffee going. I'm like, okay. And then I'll look, I was like, Oh, it's two in the morning. I should probably go to sleep. Cause I got to get up in three hours. But I mean, I don't know. I think they're going to be really good. I think as a whole, um, Florida is going to be good again. It's just, who's going to come out on top. I think central Florida. Yeah. They won it last year, but they lost a bunch of guys. I think, um, Wabash Valley is coming up. They're upset with how the year ended last year. They've got I'm a, another name. I'm not even Bonamaloa Jr. I can't pronounce it. I'm terrible with names, but he's coming back. He's committed to Alabama and he had a, a huge year last year. So I think they're all going to come back kind of like, hey, we were one or two missed calls away from winning it. Because um, I think it came down to the winner take all game. 
And then there was one or two calls that went the wrong way or went all bounced the wrong way. Um, I really like Blinn. I mean, I had him number one. Uh, they returned a whole bunch of guys. Tanner Reeves, arguably one of the best, if not the best, bats in, or infield guys in the country at the junior college level. Whether you're looking college stats or draft guy, it's kind of going to I stay away from the draft because I don't get out as much. But from everybody I've talked to, they're going to he's going to kind of the guy. They got two huge impact arms, I think, from AM at the break. So I think, especially in that that region as a whole, they've kind of jumped and become the top dog. Sanjak is Sanjak. They're always going to be Sanjak. They're always going to have the guys with Arrington stepping down and the kind of, I think it was just they moved coaches up. They didn't hire from out. So that doesn't affect it as much. But I think it's, it's blends to lose there. I really like them. Uh, but I think, as a whole, I think the junior college level, we're finally past the COVID stuff. Division one still dealing with it a little bit, but with you're not having fourth year junior college guys, you're not having fifth year junior college guys, you're not having a 24 year old. Like the guys that are going to junior college are going there to possibly get drafted like they used to. Granted, now with the transfer portal, that still is kind of affecting it. But I think finally, especially this level, we've plateaued. Or gone back to where it was when I started. Where it should be. Maybe. And I think it's in a great spot again. It's going to be a great season. And so, yeah. Yeah, we talked about that on the other one with Troy. You know, for me, with the transfer portal and Division One's doing so much of that, I think you're going to see really good freshmen and sophomores at the junior college level that you may that may have ended up at four-year schools, but now they're going to go to junior college again, which I think is the way it should be. Mm-hmm. And you I think it's your, gonna. You're putting your preseason All America list out too. Mm-hmm. Right now, so how's that coming along? Is that mostly that, sophomores, or are there any freshmen? In usually, years? it's a lot of sophomores. Sometimes it's a transfer too. Um, the I think the only year I've ever had a freshman on it was when a guy named Ryan Ritter was the National Player of the Year. <laughs> That's a pretty so, good one. <laughs> I mean, if if you're gonna be a freshman on it, you're you're gonna be the freshman, yeah. and so. I mean, it's a lot of guys that played in Grand Junction last year. You got a lot of pitchers. I think, uh, I think they're only. I think it was just Division Three that had teams with multiple guys on it. Um, but it's yeah. I mean, it's a lot of stats from last year, like any All American list is. But then it's talking to with the fall and again, junior college isn't always indicative of stats, and it's really hard to be like, oh, these stats as a freshman carry over. I mean, it happens. I mean, there's a guy. There's so many different weather, too, for them. And oh. when they start, when they get going, there's so many variables at the junior college level. Which oh, starts. it's – I think there's been a couple that have, you know, they play a freshman year and it's not that great. And then you play your sophomore year and, oh, my gosh, they came out of nowhere. And then there's guys. I mean, one was – going to date me. It was my freshman year in college. A guy was his sophomore year. Ended up being the national player of the year. But the year before was like a second-team All-American. Like it happens, but it's, you know, and sometimes you, you always have to, well, what about this? What about, it's, it's a, sub, my opinion on who I think is going to be like, don't, it's not, don't hold that much credit to it. But at the same time, like, this is who I think is going to be good. It's not the draft list. It's not of this list. I'm not coming. And I try to do the, attention to it. That's the thing. Like it's, you, you're, you're in it. You're paying attention to it. 
my wife doesn't like it because there's times where I'll get, Hey, like I'm getting a call from this coach and like, I need to take this real quick. She's like, Oh, okay. I was like, the kids are down. Like it's past their bedtime. Like I know, but like, I gotta, I need to take this call real quick because yeah. Will you be able to get out and see much here early? I hope so. I think this year with how stuff has progressed, I mean, this is year five, year six, maybe it's your seven. I can't remember. It's gotten to a place where, okay. Like I think, more than I usually am. I know I'm going to try to make it to the Tyler tournament in a week or two. It's going to have Weatherford, Tyler, Iowa Western. And I think San Jack's playing in it. I might be wrong on that one. Um, there's a huge tournament down in Houston at the Sugarland uh, field. It's going to have all those kind of guys down there. Galveston, Wharton, I think Temple, I wish I could travel a little bit more out of the state of Texas, but hey, now me being in Texas versus California definitely helps with this a little bit. Uh, I know the Region 5 tournament, I think, is in Waco this year, so that's going to be nice. I know there's a couple Division 3. I know I love the guys at Joliet up in Illinois, and they always have a huge uh, spring break trip down here, so I'm going to try and catch some of their games. I know they play Richland a couple times. They play Eastfield a couple times. They play TCS, who's right down the street, Melissa, from my house, so I'm going to try to make it over there. Um I hope to make it out more. I always want to try to make it to Grand Junction. It's just um, when I got married, it happened to be before I started all this. And Memorial Day weekend is when my wedding is. And so like, hey, babe, it's our anniversary, but I'm going to go cover college baseball for two weeks on our anniversary. Doesn't always fly very much. But I've had some people try to throw some like, hey, we can like set up a bad breakfast and like get her to like let you come out here. And we'll I was like. Yeah, I don't know if Colorado's like her thing. Yeah, but well, one day I'll make it out there. Hopefully, what are some final thoughts? Final thoughts before I let you go. Um, I think it's it's going to be a great year. I think there's going to be a couple teams as ever that are going to surprise some people. Um, if I could, I don't think I could name them off the top of my head. Like you know, oh, what team outside the rankings? Like. There's always one. There's always two. That was Andrews last year. They came out of nowhere and won Alabama or Georgia and then beat Tennessee, beat Walters, and then they went on. Um, I think it's going to be – I think it's 18 total weeks of chaos is a, a, probably the best way to explain it. Yep. Um, but, yeah, I think it's – junior college I think is in a great spot as a whole. Uh, the guys that get drafted and the guys that end up going to the Division One, Division Two, Division Three level – it's as high as ever, even with the transfer portal. I think coaches still want to build that way. I know the guys at Kansas, they came in and I'm good friends with Dan. I'm good friends with John. And they just did. We're building it this way. Let us know. It's like, okay, like I'll see what I can do. And I think, well, that that's kind of the outlier piece, you know, with recruiting, especially there's going to be those hidden gems out there. And I think that's your best Avenue right now to, to, mm -hmm. to find those, outliers they're going to help you build because not everybody's doing that now and i think they're ahead of the curve on that shout out to rock chalk jayhawk crew oh they're those guys the uh the the nine-year-old made a joke because we were talking i don't remember how we got talking about it but we were talking about teams from other states we can root for because we're cowboys fans we're like we can root for other teams it's okay and oh wait we don't like philadelphia i'm like well we're, we're i'm a flyers fan so like we're gonna root for the flyers when it comes to hockey and he's like oh when it comes to kansas we just root for kansas state and i was like actually no like 
like dad's really good friends with their coach. And he's like, you're not that cool. You're not that cool. And so I just, I text Dan and John. I'm like, Hey, I just have to let y'all know this conversation. Cause it was funny. And both of them like called me and they're like, no, and the eight year old's like, they called you. And I'm like, yeah, like I don't, it doesn't make sense. But then at the times it makes sense. I don't know. I really like it was, I don't wow. Words. But college baseball definitely was the didn't play it. I lived it. And it's I mean, I love college baseball. I love that you're like, about it. Like it's it's a fun level. It's guys that aren't always looked at, especially the junior college level. I remember dealing with that when I'm the trainer and guys are like, Well, I'm not getting the looks I want. And in twenty eleven there wasn't anything. And now that I you know, try to be that avenue a decade later. 12 years later, I don't know. That makes me feel old, but I don't know. I always have that thought of what would I have liked to see? What do the guys would have liked to see when we were back in the day? And that's kind of what I've run with. And so far it's kind of, it's taking me where it's taking me. And I don't know. College baseball is awesome. It. Hopefully, hopefully you and I will get to link up here at some point. Maybe we'll be in Grand Junction at some point. We have a, I tried to make it to the ABCA. Again, so. I, I tried. It was right there. Had some family stuff come up last minute. Sorry. And I was like, Family we'll is more important than you. this. Whether you're, oh. whether you're there or not, we're going to carry on yeah. without you. <laughs> I'm going to make one of these sooner or later. All right, sir. I'll let you go. Thank you for taking time this morning. I know you got to work. so um, No problem. I get to go play with kids all day. That's all right. the day job. I don't yeah. complain about that either. Love it. I kind of lucked out on that one. Love it. Go get after it. All right, sir. Will do. Appreciate you. Thank you. How are you? I saw you. So you're doing the – you're in with – the NCBWA with their top 25 poll. I actually run the poll. Okay, cool. Love it. Well, it's, I am, I'm a member of the thing and I said, okay. well, let's do a joint poll. Yeah, they do absolutely awesome. nothing but repost it. Yes. That's awesome. Good. Cool. Cause that's, uh, you know, I do some digging, um, but obviously we'll, we have a lot to talk about. This is my favorite one, honestly, because we have so many teams, so. And I'm, I'm grateful for guys like you that have done this or passionate about it. Um, and then hopefully we can shine some light on it too, which I think everybody in the past thought we were just Division One only, and we're not. I mean, that's a really small part of our association is Division One. So it's we need to shine a light on everybody. Yeah, and in reality, I am the Division two, Three media. So it's um, so a lot of the things that goes on – um with we do i like our team of the week where we try to find the best player of each team and yep. um, we also coordinate with the natural collegiate baseball wire association with getting their players of the week as well so okay, cool love it love it here with jim dixon uh d3baseball.com but at d3baseball correct that's your handle on on twitter if people want to in, interact my handle on twitter handle on instagram as okay. well well that makes things easier and and obviously I've known you for a little bit, especially being at the World Series and, and seeing you there. But for somebody that doesn't know you that listens in, give a little bit of background on yourself. Um, I started um, chronicling Division Three baseball. Then um, I saw, was it, I think it was Laverne won the championship in the 94 series, so 1994. So I've been doing this for a long, long time, almost 30 years. And... Um, it was only about, I came to a point where um, I hit some capabilities, technical capabilities, 
and I joined up with the D3 Sports family back in 2011. And so that's where D3Baseball.com has come from. And we have slowly sit there and grown um, our audience from there. Was that 94 World Series in Wisconsin? Uh, the 94 Series was in Salem, um, um, Virginia. And they were building a new stadium, and they had to play in a little bandbox stadium. So the balls were flying out of the park. It's probably a little more fun than Cedar Rapids. Um, I, I've actually I've, I've enjoyed going. I'm um, seeing the games in Salem. I loved going to um, Wisconsin to watch the games, and I'm now a big fan of Cedar Rapids. I'm sorry to see that I'm not going back this year, but I'm looking forward to replacing from where I live in near the Salem area, replacing a 14-hour drive with a six-hour drive. Because you're in it the entire time, correct? And you're there the entire tournament, correct? Um, I am there the entire tournament. In fact, I probably have seen more Division Three World Series than anybody else. And and those guys give you a lot of credit for, for everything that, that you do. Did you think Lynchburg was going to do what they did last year? I did not. Um, when you looked at it, it looked like it was going to set up as a Johns Hopkins Salisbury um, program um, final, but it didn't happen to be. Yeah, and and you came out with your top twenty-five, um, and obviously it's a lot of the teams that were in it last year. And I was going to ask you, did Lynchburg have enough coming back from their team last year to do damage again? Um, a lot of times, if you see a team ranked number one winning national championship, they're going to be much higher than Lynchburg is now. Lynchburg has lost a lot of players, including their pitching, um, mostly players who have gone to taken their COVID year and transferred to a Division One program to get some exposure. Yeah, with, with your interactions with coaches, how many how many guys have transferred on from Division Three to Division One? Um. I have not looked at a list recently, but I think it's about 30 or 40 different players who have taken that extra year. Um, being in Division Three, you get six years of eligibility. It's crazy. And you've got Salisbury up there, too, and I know they've had a, a really successful run, but talking to those guys, I know they've got a lot to, to replace, too. Saw Coach Brohan and um, Coach Sires at our convention, but they, they felt like they had a good fall coming out of the fall. Um, quality coaches are going to bring quality teams. Um, Salisbury has the second longest um, streak of making the NC regionals. So, um, you know, Salisbury is going to, they're going to, I expect them to be in the regional as well. But you're right. Um, they've lost a lot of that core of the teams that won the championship. Um, but they still got some pitching left. They still got some hitting left. And so, I, you know, all you got to do is get in the regional, and everybody has a chance after that. And East Texas was a team that I knew nothing about last year coming in, but was really impressed with the team that East Texas had last year. Um, East Texas, as um, they really have done done not they have not done a lot within the postseason. Um, last year was the first year they broke through, and now they have their top pitcher, their top hitter returning. Um, and when you look at the the teams out in the Western Region or Region Ten. Um, they certainly are the cream of the crop there. Yeah, and they're no, they're Friday guy. I don't know his name, but he was one of the best arms that I saw of every level because we cover most of the World Series. He was probably one of the best arms that I had seen out of all those World Series that I've been to. Yeah, I think it's Colin Sayers. Um, and any good program 
their top pitchers could pitch anywhere in Division three, two, or one. You know, with with it going to Ohio, obviously it's never Ohio's never hosted the the World Series, correct? Um, the first World Series was actually held in Marriott, Wisconsin, uh, Ohio. Okay. So Marriott hosted for a long time. Um, it turned out for them to be a lot of home championships, um, so it was good for them. But no, it's you could say it's just returning back to where it started. You know, and just looking through, it seems like a lot of these teams that are in the top 25 have competed for a, a national championship before, correct? Um, that is right. But then again, you know, it's you, you, you get the rankings based upon your program. Um, and um, we give our voters a snapshot of what's coming. So they have a little bit to sit there and to, to see what happens. But the one thing that I've always liked is because – since the conference auto bids came in, every year there has been somebody in the Division Three World Series who is a rookie there for the first time. Love it. Love it. You probably have the hardest job of anybody, though, because you have the most amount of teams to sift through. That's, you know, it's, there, it's certainly the teams are certainly at the tip of my fingers. Um, and I'm sitting here hoping that I don't mispronounce names or I don't get names wrong. I messed um, up Misericordia last year. Misericordia. I had no idea how to pronounce that, that name last year. Misericordia. Oh yeah. Well, it's, they do have their pronunciations. Oh, crazy. How important are the region rankings? And, and when does that really, when does that really matter with region rankings? Um, so what you want to do is the first thing you want to do is you want to schedule a tough conference schedule or a non-conference schedule um, because the higher your strength of schedule, the better off you're going to be in regional rankings. Now, when the regional rankings come out in late April, you want to be there because if you don't win your conference tournament, those are the teams that are going to be eligible or in line for an at-large bid. Any other intriguing storylines? I mean, it seems like we've had some coaches retire here in the past. Do we have anybody, any big names that might be on the, this is their last season? Um, I know that Hope is um, their long-term um, coach is leaving. Um, he's probably the biggest name. He's... Yeah, so, but um, one of the, um, one of the premier coaches in Cal Lutheran, um, he had, uh, took a year off. Um, and then decided to retire, and he's now been replaced um, by their pitching coach. Because that happened just recently, correct? I saw you tweeted um, that out. Yeah, I it's I, I think it happened sometime in the fall, but um, they all sort of bleed together. There's usually about 20 or 30 um, coaching changes throughout the year. When will you get out? When will be your first games that you get out to see? Um, my plan is actually um, there's a Greensboro tournament. Um, back in mid-February, and so it's you have Lynchburg, you have Salisbury. Um, I think I don't wait. I'm trying to think who is there, but it's Marietta is there. But it's a lot of good quality teams, and it's probably going to be quite the tournament. So, how many teams are in that tournament? I think it's just four, but they're all ranked in like the top fifteen. That'll be in my neck of the woods. We'll have to hook up for lunch. For oh, there you go, in Greensboro. I mean, how far are you? How far is Salem from here? It's not very far. No, it's um for for me, Greensboro is about a two hour ride. Okay. Perfect. So, who do you feel like is going to play for the national championship? Um, I 
it's really looking like Johns Hopkins is going to be there. Yeah, um, you know, Coach you know, it, they probably would have won the championship if their right fielder had not hurt himself early in the tournament. And because of that, you know, they had a hole to fill and they tried to fill it. And um, the players, for one reason, were not ready. They were usually defensive replacements that came in late in the game and they didn't have the offensive numbers. But I think if, if Alex Shane stays in the tournament the entire way, I think Johns Hopkins would be looking to repeat. Anybody, you said we get new teams in, so who maybe hasn't made the World Series yet that might have an opportunity to, to make the World Series this year? Oh, God, I'm certain looking down at the list. Um, um, and I'm, not, I'm not quite sure who it's going to be. Um, it's, um, I don't think Denison might not have been there. Um, so they always have a pretty strong team. I know they're ranked, um, but... It's it's hard to tell. Oh man, what players? I mean, you, talk, you mentioned East Texas Arm. What are some other returning players that people maybe need to pay attention to during the spring? Um, it's certainly um, Matthew Cooper. Um, he was the home run king who came out of Johns Hopkins. Um, when I saw Coach Babb at the College World Series, um, it wasn't him who brought up why didn't why we did not choose him as player of the year, but he certainly was um, a player of the year quality. Um, but there's a lot of other players. Um, Danny Shior, um at Salisbury. Um, he has a big bat. Um, he's going to be the primary offensive threat um, for the Seahawks. Um, but, you know, there's you could you could go on and list a whole number of players. I mean, what, what drew you to, to foul in Division Three baseball? Um, I, I like the aspect. Um, it's a it's a it's a team game. Um, when I saw Laverne win the championship, they won the championship because they played good defense. They played small ball. They were able to sit there and play baseball the way that I like to see it played. Um, it's not all about hitting home runs and um, big home run hitters um, didn't win. But one was being able to advance the um, runners and have good pitching and um, have good defense. And that, was, that is what wins championships. It is. It is. That, that's across all levels. You look at the teams uh, in the postseason that can pitch and play defense. They're the ones that, that usually have an opportunity to win at the end. Yeah, particularly with um, – we're sort of um, – it's with the new composite bats – um, you're getting away from the regular aluminum, so the ball doesn't travel as far. Um, so that all of a sudden it makes pitching and defense a little bit more important, maybe speed a little bit more important. Um, so when will you start to look to to rework the top 25 then? So we come out with our first regular season poll at the first of the last Tuesday in February. Many teams going by then? Um, we'll probably get about maybe 75% of the teams have played a game. But the whole idea is to sit there and to try to incorporate some teams that have, you know, maybe they started their season 3-0, and get some good competition, where some teams that were expected to do well has now floundered. Um, so, I mean, if you're let's, – let's just – let's take Johns Hopkins – this is the first three or four games they play. Um, they're not going to be the number one team 
I'm in first poll. And then will you go every week after that till the end? Of the and then season? we go every week. We go every week after that. Okay. So I think this is a great time to, to be doing what you're doing just because you can live stream. You can probably get some hand eyes on teams now than you wouldn't have been able to in the past. Well, it used to be I lived in Alaska. So that, <laughs> so that my first baseball game was always the Division Three World Series. Um, but certainly from the time that I started watching Division Three baseball until now, it's, you know, it's it's very much different. And you can, um, as you say, you know, most everybody's streaming their games um, and there's live stats and everybody has an upgraded stats package. I mean, would you have thought when you first started what, what college baseball would look like now? Um, no, I wouldn't even think so much about it. In fact, even the web pages, um, they were mostly um, athletics were attached to student activities, where now every school has their own individual website. And so it's to tell you how much things have advanced. In fact, I got into it just because I wanted to learn this brand new thing called HTML. And so it um, it has sort of got me into watching the games and building the um, the website to where it is now. Do you like the format of the World Series now, where they do play a best two out of three at the end? Um, I, it's different. Um, now all you really need are three pitchers and a good reliever, um, and an offense that's going to be able to complement that. Um, before, when you had to win, go to a game fourteen fifteen. Um, you really needed to find a fourth or fifth pitcher. And sometimes you find a diamond in the rough. Um, but I think now, it makes for better baseball. I do. Well, I, I think, I, I, think, think it, I think it, I think I like the days off. I think it, I think it allows for teams to, to play better just with those mixed in days off. Yeah. I, it, I mean, it's just a little bit longer and it's not too much longer. Um, I, I, Personally, I would not like to see them go to the Division One model where they play two games each day. Um, I like the four games. I like the compact, um, long week. Um, but it allows you to bring back. You better have good weather. <laughs> you better have good allows, weather. Yeah, having a small, short, the more compact schedule allows you to, from before, allows you to bring back your number one pitcher with a reasonable amount of rest. Yeah. Before. Um, your number one pitcher is coming back on three days rest. Now they can start the um, the championship series with um, a full four days rest. Any other things that people listening in should be paying attention to for the Division Three season? Um, I think if whenever you go to a baseball game, and I live near um, a Division One school, and so I go watch Division One school play. And you know when you're watching the competition at Division One. It's good competition. When you go down to Division Two or Division Three, and you're looking at the same quality teams, you get the same quality competition. So, if you got a game in your area, go out and watch it. Go out and sit in the stands. Um, the Division Three games are probably going to be free. You're going to have better access. Um, you're going to be able to see as good a game as you do if you go to any um, the, any college baseball. I'm glad you brought it up because I bring it up all the time because I do see a lot of different levels of college baseball. And so I'm glad you brought that up because I do like so go support your local college team. You'll be very surprised at how good the product is on the field. And a lot of times, you know, the players there are are just as good. 
Um, you know, there was a picture out of, uh, I'm thinking it's, um, it's Wangeberg, who got no looks from the scouts. He spent a year at the Division One level and got drafted in the third round. Those are the kind of things that would never happen if he had stayed at Division Three. But one of the reasons that these players had the opportunity is they've been, they have that extra eligibility year. And so that more at bats and innings too, than they probably would have in the, in the beginning. Like that's the thing, like you have to give our division three coaches a lot of credit because they are developing division one caliber athletes. Um, you know, in the the three, four or five years that they've, they've got them, they're developing them. And so it shows the type of development that our division three programs and coaches have. I think, um, after the COVID, um, years go away, I think you're going to find that the Division three players are not going to Division one as often. Um, but a lot of times, if you don't have a graduate program at your school, you go to Franklin Marshall and you spent your five years there, you finally graduated, you still have a year of eligibility, you still want to play baseball, there's a Division one team that's going to take a chance on you. For sure. For sure, because the experience is there. What are some final thoughts before I let you go? Um. I'm just saying, just I'm looking outside the weather here and it's a little bit cloudy and not too cold, but you know, in another month or that's back the season for division three starts on February or Friday um, when Sular States will take on um, Texas Lutheran. So if you want to watch baseball on Friday, you know, there'll be a live stream there that you can sit there and start watching some baseball. Love it. Thank you, sir. Thanks for your time. We'll have to hook up again here before the World Series. My pleasure. Thank you very much. Yeah, we're just trying to create, you know, the whole thing was we just we just wanted to create a different option. There's there's just the coaches pull at this level and and perfect game. You know, Ryan Herford uh, um, or Nick Herford, excuse me, um, who was our first interview guest. So I think he does a, a great job. So we just wanted to create a different option. Here again with Robbie Gutierrez at NAIA Ball. Uh, it's crazy to think. I think this is year five of us doing this. So, Robbie, thanks for jumping on with me. Ryan, man, thank you for having me as always. Always just an absolute pleasure to, to be on, on this podcast with you. Did you expect Westmont to do what they did last year? So, you know, talking about, about Westmont, coming into the World Series – they had an offense, so it really into the postseason. They had an offense that that would for times just was stagnant compared to when you look at some of the other teams who were in the postseason in the World Series that were just constantly mashing year in, year out. Compared to Westmont, they were kind of stagnant. When they got to Idaho, Westmont had no issues hitting the ball, putting the ball in play, driving in runners, two out hitting, you know, uh, scoring runners and guys in scoring position, moving guys over, doing everything the right way. And what it came down to was they were out there and they played the best tournament possible. And, and so really that's what it came down to. But if you would have asked me going into the postseason, is Westmont going to win the national championship? Do you think Westmont wins the national championship? I probably would have said no because the way their offense had performed during the regular season, they got into the postseason and it's like a, the a switch was flipped. They were a totally different monster. You look across the landscape of college baseball at every level, though, like California-style baseball, if you want to call it that, West Coast-style, that plays in the postseason. So if you look at the championships 
at every level of college baseball, there's a lot of California winners in there because I think they play championship style baseball because they do the small things. And that's the, that's the key is, is really last year was a huge thing for the West coast as, as part of the NAI and the league and NAI ball, because we had not seen a lot of success from the West coast since the early 2010s, really, um, you know, mid, mid 2010s, all of that. This totally, you know, solidified every year in, year out. You'll hear us talk about on the show through NAI ball, all of that, how good the baseball and the GSAC is. Uh, I actually had in the, in the Lewiston, you know, opening round tournament, I had Hope International. I thought Hope International was talent wise, probably the best team there outside of LCSC. And Hope International did not. You know, I, I thought for sure this was the year that they get back to Lewiston. They got back to Lewiston, but they didn't get back to the World Series. Uh, they they were had a rough time out there in that uh, opening round tournament. But we saw such success from Westmont because of that. It was huge for the GSAC. It was huge for the West Coast to be able to, to have that and have a team from California um, not just go out there and win games, which is something that the GSAC had struggled with the last couple of years, and I'm talking not last two or three. I'm talking last five to ten and go out there and win the whole thing. And they looked fantastic from, from the word go. I mean, you look at their first game to their last game. It really nothing felt like it was just that close. They they beat Cumberland's, you know, by four. They beat uh, Taylor by six. They, they handled everybody that they had to handle. It was a great job. I mean, they beat a William Carey team that, that returns a lot this year that I think is going to be really, really talented. They beat Southeastern, uh, and then they turned right around the next day and, and beat the home team in, in Lewis Clark State. You know, so that was it was really a great World Series for them. And that was my first time out there. It's just, uh, a, a tremendous tournament. They, they do it right, uh, and you can kind of feel Coach Chef's presence out there still when you get there and you get on that campus and you get on that field. Like, you can still feel Coach Chef there. Let me tell you, having been there as a player myself, uh, it is an elite experience. And, and I think that some of what we've argued for in the past couple of years has already been taken away. LC doesn't have that automatic berth anymore. I think that this is a wonderful place to play. I wish it was easier to get to, uh, <laughs> but it's a wonderful place to play. It's, a, it's, a, it's an area that cares about the game and what's going on. Uh, I really, really enjoyed my time in Lewiston. I think that a lot of people, uh, you know, I think that a lot of people wish it was just easier to get to. It is hard to get to. There's, there's no want, doubt about I, it. I, I haven't had too many two connecting flights ever, and I've flown a lot. Right. And yeah, I know years. when when that's a Kaiser win. Yeah, when Kaiser went, they flew from West Palm to Seattle and then had to drive from Seattle to Lewiston, which has to be at least four-plus hours. Um, you fly into Spokane, it's two, but it, it, the, the area is beautiful. beautiful the ballpark area. is beautiful. The the people are, are for the most part, you know, it is just a wonderful place to, to have a World Series. I really enjoyed it. And uh, especially in 2013 when I was there as a player, it was it was absolutely fantastic. And I think that, um, you know, the, the league is, is doing a, a much better job of how they go about the postseason and, and all of that. So I'm, I'm pretty thrilled with it. Very well done. Shout out to the NAIA because it was very well ran. Um, they did a tremendous job. Everything was first class. Shout out to the selection committee. 
uh, who I thought did a great job, not just because I went perfect on my, on, you know, my <laughs> at large picks, but uh, you know, there'd still be some things here and there that we're going to advocate for. And that's just who we are. We, we advocate on behalf of the players on the coaches, you know, and, and that's because that's who we're in touch with constantly. But at the same time, I have to give credit where credit is due to the uh, selection committee that the job that they did in making sure the tournament was, was the best possible last year. And season's already started. I mean, I love it. We're already going. So I think January 26th, we got going, correct? Did we learn anything the first weekend? Uh, Southeastern University, still good at baseball. Adrian <laughs> Dinkle, uh, you know, if that shocks anybody, Josh Pagozo led off the season literally the first game, bottom of the first in a in a 2-2 count, I want to say it was, and, and Josh Pagozo leaves the yard, and then the next at-bat, second run of the season is Josh Pagozo coming back up in the third inning and leaving the yard. And so that's just the way that Southeastern starts the year. They are uh, loaded with talent. They played a an Ottawa Kansas club that is just absolutely no slouch. They're they're a good ball club. Thirty six game winner last year. They go down to Lakeland uh, to play at the TED, and they they just got you know there was one close game in that series. Other than that, I want to say that that Southeastern outscored them thirty to six. Uh, it was it was pretty rough sledding out there for for Ottawa uh but then on the flip side you've got Ottawa Arizona who has Taylor come down from Indiana I'm sure Taylor probably not outside as much because Indiana I I hear these things about snow being from South Texas I've never seen it before but uh it's one of those things that that you know these Midwest and these northern teams don't get outside as much as a for me in my area Houston Victoria Our Lady of the Lake Texas Wesleyan Texas A&M Texarkana but Taylor's number nine team in the nation. They go down to Ottawa, Arizona. Ottawa, Arizona takes three of, of four. Uh, they scored 36 runs in that series to, to 15. So that that was a surprise opening weekend. And I, when I talked to the coaches last year at the World Series, they all talked about strength of schedule and, and having to schedule tougher games earlier, and it is harder. That's the first thing I saw when Taylor got beat. I'm like, well, they maybe have not been outside yet, so that's going to happen. But – I know just talking to all of the coaches last year, they all felt like strength of schedule is a huge thing early, and you're going to have to go south to do that. Right off the bat, you you pretty much have to. You know, um, I I think that we're going to see a lot of teams starting to do that. I think SOS is going to be considered more and more. And these are the things that we're working on. You know, when I when I say that we at NAI Ball, we are constantly looking for things that can be included to differentiate the, the level, the teams, everything like that, not just saying, well, this is the way it's always been and this is the way we're going to do it. So we're working with people on creating um, an, an SOS, you know, something like an RPI. Um, we're, we're looking at all of these things. And what, what comes to my mind right off the bat is, like you said, nationally it's going to be a story because that's, what, that's who we are. We're a media outlet and we're creating that media outlet to say Ottawa, Arizona, won three of four. But as a former, you know, coach at this level, uh, collegiate coach at this level, my thought is they haven't been outside yet. Yeah. You know, they, they probably had – whenever they got to Arizona, was the first time they really probably practiced outside. Everybody hang on with Taylor because if you can – I'm, yeah, I'm not worried about it. Hey, I'm just saying – and I, I coached most of my time in those places – if yep. you can come out before you can start playing home games around 500, you have a good team. 
So anybody that pays attention to the landscape of baseball, if you have a Northern team or Midwest team at any collegiate level, if they are hovering around 500 before they can play at home, that team is actually really good. And, and Arizona has become really, it's becoming a, a just a great place for, for baseball at this level. When you look at the, the overall uh, schools that are playing ball in Arizona, ERAU, has, you know, they're in Prescott, uh, you know, Benue Mesa, Arizona Christian, Ottawa, Arizona, making their presence known right off the bat here. You got Park Gilbert. It, it's really the, the level of baseball in Arizona is really elevating. And, and it's really fun to watch, really exciting to see. And it's such a great area, too, with a lot of those schools being based in, in uh, some really great places. Yeah, you know what you're going to get out of the weather down there. No rain. It's going to be decent. That oceanfront Arizona property, you got to love it. And you started something new this year, which is awesome. You started a media poll, you know, top 25 media poll. And so you, it looks I, – I, before we got on, I'm like, okay, there was nine first place votes for Southeastern. So I'm like, okay, there's probably nine people voting, which is awesome. So just talk to, to everybody about that a little bit. So we, we have moved into, and it's one of the things that, that Cody Butler, who, who founded NAI Ball and I, always wanted to do. And, and of course, you know, unfortunately, we don't have Cody. Cody's not here anymore, but we carry on his legacy and everything we do is with him in mind as we grow this, this outlet. And so we have devised a media poll there are currently nine voters i can tell you that number is going to go up to 11 here in the next poll which is going to be in about a, a week or two and what it is is it is the four of us at nai ball it is myself connor darnell our two new podcast hosts uh in taylor thomas and tyler norris both of them are our nai ball alumni uh from one from oklahoma and one from um kansas at, in mcpherson and then we've got our statistician uh, in, in Jake Huffman, who is a former coach at Lyon. Um, we've got Taryn. And Taryn, I'm not going to butcher your last name, but Taryn is the uh, beat writer, covers LCSC uh, for the Lewiston Tribune, which is somebody that when the World Series comes around, I cannot, 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 cannot advocate enough for buying that paper or buying that digital subscription when the World Series comes around because Taryn and his team, are they're going to put out some – fantastic, um, you know, articles and everything like that around the World Series time. And, and I buy a digital subscription every year to the Tribune because of that. Uh, and then we've got some some other entities as well. We've got um, Kentucky, Indiana, Georgia, Michigan, Idaho, Oklahoma, Texas, you know, just so many of these levels uh, at places nationally. It's not just regionally based or anything like that. We've got people who are based across the nation that are covering this, that have an interest, that are able to look at our numbers and our stats. And, and Jake is uh, out of Arkansas, and he does all of our advanced stati- you know, statistics. All of our advanced metrics are through him. He does a fantastic job in putting together things that I care about um, as somebody who's a, who's a religious baseball watcher and advocate especially at the professional level with you know uh, things that you might not regularly see at the nai level fip you know uh, wrc plus things like that and he's gonna he does all of that for us it is fantastic are you still having a hard time getting stats from sids or stats off web pages so that's 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 a great question um i would say for the most part 95 percent of sids 
if we need something, boom, they are they are ready to get it to us. We have a great relationship, and that's who we we want to continue to have great relationships with. I love the amount of college baseball coaches becoming ads at these small institutions, unfettered access. But but at the same time, you know, a lot of these sids, I, I get it. I mean, um, when I was at Kaiser, I was an sid and a baseball coach. I understand it. Like it is, it is a, it is a monster of a job. And so from, from the SID point of view, we're, we're not seeing that. I think from the overarching point of view of we're looking at the stats page on, on the Presto uh, NAI website, that's where the issue comes in. When you have a strikeout leaderboard and you click on that strikeout leaderboard, but there's no strikeouts on that page and you have to click to a different page to get strikeouts that's where I think we see a little bit of, of an issue. I, I don't think Dax stats. I, I always say, you know, it was called Dax stats. Oh, you'll you'll see the tweets or whatever the X's or whatever they're called nowadays. Uh, but the issue is, is that you, you have the ability to have all the stats on one page in one place. And that's the one little kind of thing that irks me because I like the scoreboard. I like the game interface. I like all of that. It's just the end product of where the statistics are and sometimes the websites have it the you know the individual athletic websites have it better but having to go to that individual athletic yeah, website way better as, if we can house it in one area where you can just one area and that's really my only my only concern uh to start the year and i know there have been a lot of coaches that have reached out about that because they're looking for uh like you can't find walks anywhere for the individual player. That's not a thing. So I'm trying to, to name, we're trying to name a pitcher of the week. I'm like, hold on. We got to see if this guy's walk, you know, he struck out 10, but did he walk 11? I can't find walks unless I click on that individual player, go all the way down to his, you know, individual game or go to his total number and try to see how many guys has he walked because he's only made one start. It's not ideal. I, I'm, I'm hoping that, that it does get fixed or somebody from the league will, will see this and say it is, it is an issue. Just looking through the preseason media poll, I mean, any teams in that top 25 that maybe haven't been in there here in the last couple of years? So one of, one of the things that, that I really think uh, is going to be a, really interesting to watch, and they made a couple of, of appearances the last couple of years, but sitting in that 24 spot, Concordia, Michigan, they're a team that in, in the past couple of years, they've been 40-game winners, and they maybe haven't seen the poll. They've seen the tail end of the poll, or they've been on the outside looking in this past year. They got in to the playoffs. They got into the national tournament and they were a opening round finalist in Lewiston. You know, they, they, they gave it all they had there. Uh, I think Ave Maria will be an interesting team to watch because they're under new management, but it is literally uh, the brother of their former coach, you know? So that is, that's a great one. I mean, I don't, I don't blame, I don't blame the head coach for going to take a job in professional baseball. I mean, how, how dare you? But I think they're under good leadership still, somebody who's got the same ideals uh, that they have. Uh, you know, So those are the things that I'm going to be watching is the schools that have different management, Mobile, Indiana Wesleyan, Ave Maria. Those are the, what gets my attention right off the bat. Um, Concordia, Michigan is going to be a really good team to watch and, and see what they can do there. And then you've got a couple of teams on the outside looking in. Doan is on the outside. I actually, in my own media poll, uh, voted for Doan to be in the top 25. 
and I know several people had it in our our own media poll. They had Doan in the top 25. Uh, so Doan is one that came in like 27th in, in the coaches poll that we had. I am a big – I, I like to see what Loyola is going to do. I think they've got um, an experienced team. They remind me a lot of, you know, just, just those teams with experience that are there for a long time, that they have that run. It'll be interesting to see Loyola. I think that Southern States Athletic Conference is going to be probably maybe pushing the Sun Conference for that best overall conference in the nation. Uh, I'm really interested to see what what that's going to look like. And But Doan would be my team on the outside kind of to watch. And, and I think Kansas Wesleyan also, I think they're going to be a lot better than um, 16th. And I think that they're going to push the, the KCAC really to its to its limit. If there was a team in the preseason outside of Dome that I had to pick to watch in the top 25 that maybe has not been there that often, it's going to be Kansas Wesleyan because of what they return. Who are you naming National Player of the Year and National Pitcher of the Year? Oh, that's a tough one. So right now I'm just off the top of my head. Um, so nobody get after me because I'm going off the top of my head here. A.J. Sipkowski comes back to Georgia Gwinnett. I mean, he was a 30-30 player last year. We wrote a whole article in Baseball America on him. You know, uh, it's him and J.D. Drew. That's it. Ever. Ever. So he is special. And then a heck of a job by Jeremy Sheeninger to get him back at GGC for another year. Fantastic job. That's a recruiting effort in itself. Um, so he's back, but I think if you did not have him, the guy that I'm going to be watching is RJ Stinson from William Carey. That's a tough ballpark to hit at. I've played there at Milton Wheeler field and he had 107 hits last year. He is special. I think he is definitely, definitely, definitely going to be a guy to watch this season. Uh, and then, you know, pitching wise, I'm wide open to really what we might see. But I think Darian Smith uh, from Southeastern has really had a great start to the season. He was a guy that that really, if you look at our preseason all-NAI ball team, uh, he was a guy that was automatic first-teamer for us. There's other guys like Dustin Shorey from Bellevue. Uh, Anthony Green from Missouri Baptist had, you know, I think is going to have a great year. And that's the fun part about making a preseason team. Cody and I used to always go back and forth on the preseason team because he, he would want to get it right. And I'm like, man, sometimes you got to take a guy that, that that's got hurt or didn't play last year that you just think is going to be really, really good. Also, I'm going to throw on another one. Um, Joey Grabanski is about 16 home runs away from breaking the, the league all-time record in home runs. He's a guy I'm going to watch a lot. Isaiah Thomas from LCSC. Special, special player transfer from Vanderbilt. He was the World Series MVP on the team that didn't win the World Series. Had an absolute time. Uh, Charlie Moniz and Max Harper from Cumberland's. Uh, Southwest Christian in, in Gomez and Paredes have really good players. Southeastern's got leads the nation in number of players on our all-NAI ball preseason team. Caden uh, Nicoletto on the outside looking in from that preseason team at Columbia. But... Uh, Darian Smith, Kellen Brothers from Oklahoma Wesleyan. If you can have a sub one ERA at Oklahoma Wesleyan in fifty innings in in a place that is notorious for its offense, it's just, it was just an absolute shame he got injured last year. He, from what I understand, he's ready to roll. He's a guy I'm going to watch as well. But Darian Smith from Southeastern, 
who had a 294 ERA with 127 Ks last year is, is a guy that I'm going to be watching out for. How are you balancing your full-time job with NAI ball? Man, I, you know what? That that's some, that's crazy because Jacqueline asked me that the other day. I, I'd gotten home and she goes, she's like, "You have a family? <laughs> uh, you know, I, it, I've got her and I've got an eight year old. Uh, I've got a full time. I'm a television local sales manager in, in a media market. Um, so that's a full time job. I've been officially in this position for today, as of today, about a month. Uh, so that is something that there are days where I'm. 6:30 at night and and I'm still in the office and I'm thinking man I got here at 7 what am I doing here uh and then there's you know there's this stuff and this is what keeps me sane it's it's what I love to do I I played at this level I coached at this level I'm a big believer in giving back to this level because it's it's what made me it's the coaches that mentored me. My parents did a wonderful job in setting me up and making sure I had everything to succeed and teaching me the life lessons and continuing to teach me the life lessons. It's when I got to Northwood University and Kaiser University that I worked with, that I worked and played for and, and was around uh, Robert Garza, who's the head coach at Texas Wesley, and Jeremy Kennedy, who's now the head coach at Loyola, New Orleans, that set me up and showed me, man, I'm an idiot. My parents are right. I have no idea what I'm talking about. I'm not the the smartest thing in the room. I need to listen to these guys that help really mentor me and push me in the right direction. Um, and, and all of this happens because of them. It happens because I sit down in Jeremy Kennedy's office in May of 2014, and he says, come with me to Florida and doors will open for you. And I, I trusted in him. And not everybody's going to have the same experience at this level. Not everybody's going to have the same relationship with a coach. But I'm a big believer in that. that this level gave me my second chance because I didn't deserve it. They didn't have to keep me. And, and they did. And listening to Coach Kennedy and, and believing in, in what he was telling me opened a pathway into media for me where I meet guys like Evan Cohen. I worked with Evan Cohen. You know, Evan Cohen and I have sat down and talked about life. Now Evan Cohen's on at 8 a.m., 6 a.m., 7 a.m. every morning on ESPN Radio. You know, the, these are guys that I've worked with and worked for and, and all of that that I did go to Florida, and those doors opened for me, and I worked at, at ESPN, and I had the opportunity to come home. I actually chose this over a job in, in baseball, to come home, stay in media, and, and work and do all of this here at, at where I'm at, and I love it. You know, I love I love being home. I love being close to my parents. Uh, and, and, you know, balancing it is hard, but this is what keeps me sane. And then at the same time, losing my best friend. You know, I have, I, I'd say I have three best friends and losing a huge part of me in, in Cody Butler, the founder of this, of NAI Ball, was just absolutely earth shattering for me. And it still is. And there are still times in, you know, in, in, not to get too vulnerable, but there are still times where I will I will just have have to give myself five minutes to just let it out because that was such a it huge won't go piece away. of me. I lost my best friend it, like three years ago. So one of it my best friends. Never will. It, you'll get but they're like happy reminders. You know, you there 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 are. This is this is the happy reminder. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so you know doing everything here for him that we do and in being Tough but fair, you know, and having fun and making sure that this is a, a something that the, not just the coaches and the parents want to read, but the players too. 
you know, we've started a, a, a sub stack. We have the podcast. We're working on a website. Like we are growing exponentially. And I, I honestly think that because I, because when I lost Cody and I lost my podcast partner and I don't have him here, me stepping away from the podcast because I didn't want to do it anymore without him and allowing Taylor and Tyler, who are our first show was already out by the time we're recording this, letting them have the reins and becoming younger and allowing me to step back and say, I'm going to run the business aspect of this. I'm still going to go to games and run the social media and have fun, but I'm going to run the business aspect of this has been a breath of fresh air for me because we have gotten to become bigger and bigger and bigger. And in the past, we're so content focused that we did not have that business acumen, but this is what I do for a living. You know, I, I work in media. I, I, I've done this for the last, realistically the last 10 years of my life. I'm 31 and the last 10 years of my life have been spent in professional media. And I'm at a place where as a local sales manager in a media market at the age of 31, I'm ahead of where my, my manager was, you know, at, at his age. And all of this is set up because of this level, because of NAI baseball, because of NAI ball. It's a second chance level. I think of, of all the guys that we helped that did not have the greatest start off to their career, made mistakes, all of that. This level helps these guys. We build these relationships with guys. We keep them around as alumni, and we keep them as fans forever. And that's that's something that we're pushing and pushing and pushing. And, you know, we got to do ABCA this year. We got to yeah, go to the convention. Ask you if you got everything out of the convention that you needed. It was wonderful. We interviewed 40 programs. And I literally, on the second day that we were there, we, we all came together as a crew uh, because the first day we just met there, we were all flying in. The second day, Saturday, we, we drove in as a crew, and I took them by where I was the first time, under a stairwell, just trying to do as many interviews as possible without getting charged. Uh, you know, and, and I took them by that there in Dallas, and I told them, this is what changed everything for us in 2018 was meeting these guys face-to-face because Cody would meet everybody who, who went to Georgia Gwinnett, but that's a finite number of coaches. You know, it's not everybody. It's a great place to go and play, but it's not everybody. And so we got to meet with 40 programs over two days. And then we met with 60 total coaches that came by and all that. And then the amount of people that we got to help educate about who we are, what we do, who we advocate for, what we are as, as, a, as a media outlet, everything like that. NAI guy, NAI guy, NAI guy, NAI guy, NAI made. All of that all weekend long. It was absolutely fantastic. And I'm – I'm super thankful to, you know, that, that we reached out about that and Kurt, you know, helped us with that and got set up. And, and I think we did some really great things. And, um, you know, the, my, my goal is that one day will not be just when y'all are in Dallas. One day it'll be every single year we will go and knock ourselves out. But we're going to grow big enough to where I don't have to do all of that and be there 24-7. Wow. Because, I, I mean, I told them, I said, this is not going to be fun and games. I said, you're going to be exhausted. You got to work. You are working the work. whole time. And and they, they saw what I'm talking about. I think they thought, I think my younger guys, Connor, Taylor, and Tyler all thought, oh, it's going to be great. We're going to be treated like celebrities. They're like, yeah. You, you, you know, they're going to want to talk to you. I said, the problem is, is that you're going to be talking all day. You're going to be on your feet. You're going to be exhausted. And sure enough, we, we were exhausted. Robbie, I appreciate your time, man. You're the best. So thanks for jumping. Anything Rob else you want to give a shout out to before I let you go? I know you're busy. You got, you got real work to do. 
I, you know what? I've always got time for, for the ABCA. I, I think it's a wonderful organization. I, I, I really, really, really believe that, that it's great for baseball. It's great for baseball coaches. I think it's great for the youth and collegiate level uh, as, as advocates, you know, and, and we're, we're right there aligned on so many subjects and so much matter and, and what goes on at the collegiate level. And that's, that's where we're at. And so I'm extremely thankful to y'all for, for doing that. Um, I, I'm extremely thankful to y'all for, for allowing us to have this platform with you and, and all of that, you know, anybody who's interested in learning more about us, please feel free to reach out to me at Rob G one zero six three on X, uh, formerly known as Twitter. Uh, you can find us at NAI ball on both, uh, X and Instagram. We are constantly putting out, uh, more and more. We've got, if you're a Substack subscriber where we've got three guaranteed articles a week, we're working on a website. We've got a podcast that's going back to weekly, 12 episodes, 12 to 16 episodes a year. Um, it's one of these things that we are growing more and more, man. And I, I cannot thank you enough um, for having me on. Yes, sir. Appreciate you, Robbie. Game of baseball has grown at all levels in large part to what our sports writers are doing to shine a light on every level. Thanks to all of our sports writers for all their hard work on covering the game of baseball. This is your yearly reminder to get out there and support all of your local colleges. Thanks again to Jim Richardson, John Litchfield, Zach Hale, Matt West, and Antonio Walker in the ABC office for all their help on the podcast. Feel free to reach out to me via email, rbrownlee at abca.org, Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok at coachb underscore abca, or direct message me via the MyBCA app. This is Ryan Brownlee signing off for the American Baseball Coaches Association. Thanks and leave it better for those behind you.